This is the Dr. Mama Podcast with your host, Dr. Alice Kaufman. Hello and welcome back to the Dr. Mama Podcast. Or welcome for the first time. Welcome one, welcome all. This is episode 15 for March 25th, 2021. I realized at the beginning of these podcasts, we never actually like say our names in case people are listening for the first time. What an interesting concept. <laughs> so sit, sitting next to me on my left is the wonderful Alice Kaufman, my beautiful wife. Hello, friends. And on my right is Mr. Alex Cumming, my husband, co-producer, musician and editor extraordinaire. I feel like I gave you a really dull introduction in comparison to what you gave me. <laughs> yes, you get an F. But also, like, I also realize that when people get into a podcast, you start at episode one and then like carry on so maybe this is all like a halfway through the series to remind people just in case i don't then. know i feel like when i get into new podcasts it's because there's some specific episode that i'm gonna listen to and then i'm like oh i like that one let me see what else they've done oh they had one on abdominal pain oh there's a cool one on palm or cardiac or whatever and then maybe once i've decided that they're all good i'll go back to the beginning and start listening or maybe not i don't know that's true actually i, I might listen because of a topic or a guest maybe yeah and then come back to it I very rarely start at the beginning. I think that's a reflection on how I approach life, though. <laughs> Rather disorganized and haphazard. Start at the very beginning. It's a, a very good, good place, place to, to start. start. And we'll stop there. Yeah. <laughs> so talking about people coming and listening to a specific guest, we do have a very exciting guest this week. Do you want to tell us a bit more? Yes. So this week we are talking to the wonderful Dr. Maria Diaz, who I am very fortunate that she's an attending of mine. Um, she is a graduate of the medical school at the Universidad de Panama Facultad de Medicina and the Kearney Hospital Internal Medicine Residency. And she is now an internist practicing um, outpatient and inpatient internal medicine in Lawrence, Massachusetts. And this was a really lovely episode, a little shorter than... Uh, some and you'll find out why at the end of the episode yes. but uh, we'll leave that as a bit of a suspense for you um, <laughs> but it was a really really interesting conversation um, and I you'll, you'll hear about this but I very much uh, are jealous of her ability to nap yes <laughs> well only only while pregnant yes well, we're getting ahead of ourselves but we hope that you all enjoy the interview Maria welcome to the podcast Oh, thank you for the invitation. All right. So we want to give you a chance first in your own words to tell us how did you become a Dr. Mama? Well, it has been a journey that started eight years ago. My daughter will be eight tomorrow. She's very excited about her birthday. Happy almost birthday. Yay. Yes, Noah. She will be eight years old. She's so excited about it. No. Um. So my story, yeah, I was a doctor and then I became a mom and now I'm a doctor mom. <laughs> <laughs> there was something first and then the kids came and it made it a little bit more challenging and entertaining at the same time. Tell us about that. Well, it's challenging because organizing childcare is an, another job. It's yeah. like I have two jobs or three jobs, but getting childcare is another job by itself. Getting someone to get here early, live late. So, yeah, it's very challenging because yeah. of that. And getting reliable childcare, too. 
So how long were you a doctor before you became a mom? Um, a long time. I've been seeing patients like since I'm 22 years old and Noah was born when I was like 36, 37. So a long time before I became a mom. Wow. Okay. And um, when during your training or during your medical career, did you decide that you wanted to become a mom and start thinking about having children and how that would integrate into your career as a doctor? I don't think I really thought much much about it. I wanted to have a baby, so I gave it a try and it happened. It was, um, I feel like we got lucky. So that's how they came one after the other. Did did you like purposefully think I'm definitely going to wait until I've done all my training and wait until I got a stable job or did you, or was it just different ideas of planning? What was your reasoning? It just happened when we were done with training, the wedding, getting a house, there were a lot of steps in order for me to feel comfortable. Maybe we can bring a little child into this mad life. But I didn't think it was going to get this crazy. <laughs> yeah. And um, how did the, just the beginning of it, how did pregnancy affect your practice and your career? Well, for me, pregnancies were relatively easy. I'm lucky. But I got extreme fatigue and sleep. I just needed to sleep. I never, never did anything other than sleep. That was the odd behavior. So when you work 10 hours a day and you have very little extra time to fall asleep at 7.30 is unreal. Yeah. So yeah, so that made it very challenging. I remember the residents after my first pregnancy, because when I was pregnant the second time, when they saw me taking a nap in the couch, they were like, mm, she might be pregnant. <laughs> and they were right. Cause I was like napping and they were like, are you okay? Like halfway, like I can't finish rounds. So I need to take a nap. Oh no, you're pregnant. So, <laughs> yeah. Nothing else. Just the naps. Wow. Okay. How, and then... So how did you manage that? Did you just have to like take naps at any moment? you could and how how did you yeah, did you schedule yeah. breaks in your did you um, no, breaks in your break. schedule? no if the time was right and there was a little corner I'll just took a nap <laughs> <laughs> I you have... will see like this napping doctor <laughs> that's really interesting so did did you what was your situation like with maternity leave because we know it's very limiting for um for people in training um, yeah. what was, what was your situation, uh, at, at the other end as of an training as an attending? Yeah. yeah. So I was already an attending when I had my first maternity. So that was what the 12 weeks, it felt really short and I can't imagine having even less time. Um, and then for my second pregnant, I mean, my second maternity leave, um, we were lucky and we added four extra weeks Wow. that were That's a nice. little bit of a you know, you don't really get paid, but yeah. I felt like I needed that time with the, the ba- where there were two under two, sort of yeah. like two under two. So it was too much. Yeah, for sure. And then how did having the kids change your career and change your practice of medicine? 
He changed the practice in a lot of different ways. Um, I feel like when you're really tired, sometimes you just have to focus. So you have to put so much attention on what you're doing because you have less hours. Like before I could sit around and think about what I'm writing in this note and maybe, but now the time is less. So I really have to focus. I really have to think about it. I really, I push myself because it's less hours, but same amount of work. So you have to push yourself. What's so your, maybe I learned that. What's your What's your trick for doing that? What were your ways to get yourself yeah, to that point? Yeah, please do share because I feel like <laughs> I need that. <laughs> well, it's, I don't think it doesn't work all the time. But when it works, it's like the 10, 15, 20 minutes that I have designed for the patient between the visit, the chart, everything. I can only think and look and feel what I'm doing for this patient. Like I can't, my brain is not anywhere else than there. So even though it's less time, it's more focused time. So I don't know. That's how I feel like I can do it. So you shut off, shut off your phone, shut off your email, shut off everything. It's just those 20 minutes I'm thinking about this person and the problem and what am I going to do with this problem. And that's how I can move quick. Like if that, if I think about this patient, but then I'm like, wait, wait a minute, what did I do for the other? Then you start going in all directions. It doesn't work, at least not for me. That's a hard one, though, isn't it? Because I, I definitely know if I was in that position, I definitely have a brain that goes, oh, that idea, something else. triggers. Yeah. So it's like trying to train your brain to really focus that one you have to shut the outside noise and just look at this and if you need to do something do it right there otherwise it's it's too much work you there's not there's no later I'll do it later I guess that doesn't exist so do you do your notes and your charting as you go then most of the time, yes, because the sharding for me is a tool. I understand that it's part of my job. I need to present this chart with all the data. But it is also a tool for me like to write down. It helps my brain focus on what exactly I'm doing. So, yes, I try to do it all at once. And the patients know that this is an important thing because I say, I need to record what you're telling me. This yeah. is important because... If you tell me your blood pressure is 180 at home, I can't forget about that. I need to write that right now. It's for your own good and mine. So that's what we do it. So is that something that changed a lot after you had kids and you were more? Yeah. Yeah. Because before, you know, you could think around and sit and you do the note and, you know, there's not a kid that needs you. Yeah. And then do you think that your interaction with patient and your practice of medicine itself changed when you had kids? Yes. And the patients react different to you when you're a mother. How so? Well, a lot of my patients know me since I started there. And 15 years ago, they knew I had no kids, no marriage, no nothing. And almost every single time, everybody asks, how are the kids first? And then we'll go through this, go through that. Say hi to the kids. How are they doing? They want to see a picture. So the interaction is, I guess, more human. I don't know. It's it's very warm. That's so lovely. Yeah. 
So what does your, um, what does your husband do? He does medicine too. He's an anesthesiologist. So that's a different kind of medicine, but that also, he has very limited time at home. Yeah. They start really early, can go really late. Yeah. 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 So when you were, when you got married and you were thinking about maybe starting a family and you're both doctors with very demanding schedules, did, how did you guys talk about and think about we could bring, know. we could have a kid. I don't know. I it was going to be easier. <laughs> I thought it was going to be easier. His family is local, so they help a ton. Great. I feel yeah. like that's a, that's a real blessing. That's come up quite a lot. A lot of people have family nearby and that makes a huge difference in ability to be able to have kids. I mean, we've got family so nearby that we live with some of them. Oh, yeah. Like, and it's <laughs> like you, we couldn't do it without family, no. really. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Families and the and the kids is good. Like they interact different with different relatives, and you can observe that, and you can get feedback. Yeah. So sometimes when they act in a very specific way to you, you see it's not like it's just with you. With someone else, is different. So yeah. yeah. A lot of information. Yeah. What, what was the what was the first moment when you realized that this is going to be way harder than you were expecting? What do you remember that moment? I know it was a few years ago now, nearly eight years ago. <laughs> well, yes, the profound sleep deprivation when you have a nursing baby. Oh my goodness. Is yeah. extremely, extremely challenging. Is it's it's really hard. Yeah. I'm told you don't really understand sleep deprivation until you've done that. I yeah. Think. I think it's just one of those things where you tell people like, you're going to be really tired. And they're like, oh yeah, I've been tired. I was a third year yeah. medical student. I can do it. And you're like, no, you don't understand. You're going to be <laughs> really tired. Yeah. But you can't until you've lived it, I don't think. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's like a sleep deprivation state. And to just do things, yeah. sleep deprived. Yeah. No, not resting. And how did you work nursing or did you do pumping at all? How did you work all of that into your clinical schedule? The pumping was very interesting. I really have one of those hand-free, low-noise pumps. Nice. And I got extra large scrub tops and I never stopped because I was pumping. I kept working. And sometimes patients ask, what is that noise? I say, oh, that's a pager. <laughs> that's so funny. So you're just like in your office visit doing your regular medicine. Yeah, sometimes I have to go in to check an EKG. To, I mean, I wasn't like a whole patient interaction, but, you know, you could see me moving around with a, some kind of a background noise and an extra large T-shirt. Also pumping in the highway was something because I live about an hour from work. So that was a long time for me. And with me and the pump, we became wow. one. <laughs> <laughs> so would you just leave the pump on for large chunks of the day? Yeah. Yeah. I figured it out. That was the easiest thing for me. I turn it off and then turn it on and turn it off and turn it on. I say so even just wore it through the day. Mm -hmm. You just had it on. I took breaks, but yeah, yeah I kept it. 
it was too much of a hassle taking it off and doing yeah. all the washing. I just kept that up. No kid got sick, thank God. Maybe it wasn't the right thing, but <laughs> no mean, kid got sick. That sounds such a good idea. That's that so sounds That's really good. Genius. <laughs> and um, how were you able to maintain supplies? Um, it was a challenge. It was a challenge. Uh, I'll definitely had always to supplement when they were like 10 months, 11 months, but at the time they were also eating other foods. So yeah. it didn't feel so bad. It felt like a, like a cup of some kind of odd drink. Yeah. Um, and then during the early times, were you just like trying to eat a lot, stay hydrated? What helped you? Yeah, that wasn't very good. I, I don't know. <laughs> It's keeping hydrated wasn't very good. No, I just try, but yeah, you could be working for hours and not even think about, oh, I didn't eat or drink or go to the bathroom. No, those things are not important. Right. I I know from experience of seeing Alice um, while nursing um, our first, and just get trying to keep up with that water. We're drinking water was hard, and then so suddenly you'd hit, she would hit like this wall of like i need water right now like mm-hmm. if i do not get water now it's like, gonna I'm be a problem going to pass out yeah 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 usually i catch up at night when i was home <laughs> so i was trying to eat and drink a lot even though it was like 10 8 p.m just to survive the next day yeah and you need to learn skills yeah <laughs> Was it different rounding inpatient versus being in the clinic in terms of your pumping schedule and trying to keep up with hydration and everything? Yeah, I I will have to say that I kind of did the same thing. Never walk in the hospital with the pump, but maybe on our lounge area from one room to the other. The extra large t-shirt was very helpful. (laughs) With all that. (laughs) They're very discreet nowadays. Yeah, that's fabulous. So I was wondering how sort of this experience of like discovering sleep deprivation is a real thing and this is going to be harder than you expected and, you know, coming up with all these plans for pumping, how this compared to when you had your uh, second? I know what was going into. Yeah. It worked kind of the same. There were different babies, but still... um, the challenge was pretty similar. Were there things that you'd learned from the first time that you thought this, I absolutely am going to do this different or did you kind of find yourself in a pattern and thought I've got this now? <laughs> I thought I was going to do it different, but then at the end I did the same thing. Yeah. I think uh, it worked out. The girl was, she was already almost, she was two and he was a newborn. So I say it will work out. Nice. And now that they're a little older, how how does childcare and and um, parenting affect your your medical practice? Well, with the pandemic, that was another thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. even before the pandemic, you rely a lot in the teachers, the schedule, the aftercare programs tend to be great. But you have to enroll them and, you know, sometimes they want to be with you. They really don't want to be doing an activity. Yeah. yeah. How do you, how, how did that 
how does childcare now with the I mean this is sort of like thinking pre-pandemic we can touch on pandemic in a minute but how did like the the childcare preschool and post-school work out for you not post-school during school during school yeah so like they started school yeah how did that work well I was very fortunate to have a living nanny for the first four years even though I did all the night duties, I could go to work and she will, I, I didn't want to bring a small baby into a daycare. Mm-hmm. Like I knew they were going to get like, I know I was lucky that I was able to have this person Yeah, and it would be okay to go to daycare too, but I was lucky to have her so I could go to work and she will stay with the baby. So, but once they were like about 18 20 months, they started going a few hours to the daycare place. So that was sweet. And they went to Spanish immersion daycare. So that was really good. Nice. So we loved all that. And yeah, it was very helpful to have someone, my mother-in-law help a ton with the driving and taking them from one place to the other. So that was pre-pandemic. It was great. Yeah. How did you... Oh, well, sorry. You um, you said that sometimes they wanted to be with you and not be with the, not the, teacher, or, the yeah. teacher. How did you talk to them about that and talk to them about what your job is? And, you know, you really have to go to work. I think now they understand more what I do. I think when they were that little, they really didn't understand. They, even though they could say, mommy's a doctor, daddy's a doctor. I don't think they understood what we were doing. Now with the COVID, I think they know more, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, how did you then manage and how do you still now try to optimize your time when you are home? Um, how do you add, make that the best time it can be? That's the biggest challenge because yeah. sometimes you come home and you still have work to do, even though I try to do the most yeah. there is there's still lots of work so when I get here like around 4 30 so I try to be present with them until they go to bed at eight and then once they're asleep I turn the computer on and I can go for x amount of hours yeah. wow and then how do you get enough sleep <laughs> do you get enough sleep <laughs> no that's the that's yeah I guess so yeah I I, I've never been like a, that kind of person that sleep until noon, you know, <laughs> back in the day when people used to stay in bed until like when I, I was, ne- I was always up at six or seven. So okay. I need little sleep. Okay. Except when you're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Except when I'm pregnant. That's what is so dramatic. Yeah. yeah. All the sleep that I need. Um. I was wondering, because you touched on saying that your uh, kids went to like Spanish immersion daycare. Do you do you manage to keep up the sort of dual language thing going on at home? So, yeah. So my daughter is bilingual. She definitely, I mean, they they both are. They prefer English because the language of the home is English. My husband yeah. speaks English, so they know that I can speak English, but they are bilingual and if they're put in the right environment, they will speak Spanish. Not to their, it's not their choice, but they will do it. <laughs> Our kids are similar in that they don't choose to speak Spanish. I feel like we've tried to raise them bilingual. We, 
I speak to them some in Spanish and we've had, we've also been very lucky to have live in childcare. We've had au pairs from um, Latin American countries who will speak to them in Spanish, but they definitely don't choose to speak Spanish, even though like they've heard it since they were babies and their mm -hmm. understanding seems to be completely fine. Yeah, they, they will often respond in English. They'll just respond <laughs> in English anyway. And it's like, yeah. I know that they know the words, they just, they don't want to. So I don't, I'm not an expert in child development. I think I treat the other end of the age, <laughs> not little kids. But I was reading and they say that as long as 15% of the communication is in the second language, they're learning it. Right. Whether they choose it or not, you don't believe it. So just keep on the hard work. And it's nice to know that your two yeah, kids now they're older are still, they still understand it. And yeah. 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 I thought it was all or nothing, but it's not. That's, That's very reassuring. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully. We'll we'll find out in ten years when they when they have no Spanish at all. <laughs> oh goodness. Um so how then you did say how everything once the pandemic hit, everything changed. How has it been for you guys? Well, it was absolutely a nightmare because um when everything shut down in March, March, right? March 16 yeah. or 17, um, I I did a lot of rounding, as you know, yeah. and a lot of re respiratory clinics. So we had to put them in emergency child care centers because I, I could not ask my in-laws to come and babysit mm. because yeah. of the, the risk. So, but I will have to say that the emergency child care centers work really well. They have, uh, my hu husband works at Brigham and Women, so they have one affiliated with uh, Brigham and Women Hospital, and it worked really great. No one got sick. Great. Um, what, what, what was the setup there? Did they have them doing their virtual school in the child yes, center? they helped them doing the virtual school I mean, at the time, my son was in preschool, so there was not really anything virtual for him. And my daughter was first grader. So, yes, they facilitated that. And they were loving and, and caring, and everybody was there because the parents were working. Yeah. So it was the understanding. So it was it mostly the kids of, like, doctors and nurses and whatnot who worked at Brigham? It, and any any healthcare worker for that matter, it was beautiful. I we yeah, any kid, if your parent work in the healthcare system, they were enrolled there. Wow. And there were like a lot of changes from the kids. You know, some days you have it off and the other days another kid went and it worked out really well. And so the the okay. hours were like much more suitable then, right? Well, they were wonderful hours. Yeah. There were wonderful hours. They even had like babies as early at 6 a.m. My kids didn't have to go that early, but yes, they had babies there very early. They they did an amazing job. But the, the emergency child care center has been there forever. Like, for example, like if your nanny doesn't show up, they want you to have like a place to take the kids so you don't yeah. have to call out. And with the pandemic, it all changed it to the pandemic, COVID, yeah, emergency yeah. child care center. It worked really well. That was on the worst in the spring. Yeah. Then in the summer, we felt comfortable doing outdoor camps. They did nature camps. Right. 
Right. So that was good. I could drop them there. They walk around in the woods. I don't know. And then I pick <laughs> them up at five. So yeah. that worked out. The worst was the, um, when the school year started now in September, because now my son is in kindergarten right, and yeah. my daughter is in second grade. So there was a curriculum in yeah, we have been, my mother-in-law has been kind and helping us. And my son went back to a child care center that was putting him through the Zoom meetings. That's good. And then is yeah. your daughter also going back to the child care center? Or is she doing more of it from home? She's staying with my mother-in-law. They're, re- mother-in-law. they're both hybrid. So they're remote dates. She right. stays with my in-laws. It's very hard for us not to have yeah. her here. And my kindergartner goes to the daycare and then they come back on Wednesday and I'll take them to the hybrid Thursday and Fridays. Okay. So the days that she's remote, she just lives completely with your in-laws? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That I can't so wait. Hard. It's really hard. She goes on Sunday nights and come back on Wednesday. But it's been a, bl- I mean, my mother-in-law is really good. She helped her with all the school, the Zoom, the readings. Wow. And that's, I mean, it's such a blessing. It's so wonderful to be able to, to have somebody who can do that. But it's also just so hard to be away from your child. Like I am away, we are, had to be away from our kids for like one night the other day and I was crying. I couldn't do it. I was so <laughs> sad. Uh, yeah it's it's really hard yeah it's really hard I I keep saying it's for her good it's for her own good it's for her own good wow um all right A, a couple of other questions that we have how um since you and your husband are both doctors how have you been able to divide co parenting responsibilities and kind of work together as parents in the context of your busy jobs I don't think we ever had a discussion. We just like go, you do, you do, you do, you do. That's your, do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's uh, the house is, it's not big, but it's a house. There's cleaning, housekeeping, and on top of the kids, it's a lot. And do you ever like get into a situation where you feel like I'm doing too much or I'm doing too much and like. Oh, I feel like that every day. (laughs) And do you guys ever talk about it or not really? It's just too busy. I just think it's a perception. I don't think it's, it's yeah. a real. It's, I don't think it's real. It's a perception that I have too much. But then I just sit back and look around and I'm not doing that much. I'm doing a part of the job. Yeah, I I definitely feel like that. that's true for so many of us. Like I always feel like I'm doing so much work. How is like nobody else ever doing any work? And then I look around and I'm like, oh no, everybody else is actually still doing a lot of work. I just, just have to sit back and look around. I think that's the big thing, isn't it? When you, especially when you have such an intense job during the day and you're just like, go, 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 go. Yeah. You have to sort of like be able to switch yourself off when you go home. So you're not just continuing to go, 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 and just do everything. You know? Yeah, I definitely struggle with that. With I get home and I'm like, this needs to be done and this needs to get done and this and this and you and go and go. And I'm like, wait, hold on. These like small children need me to take a breath and not make them clean up all the playroom in 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the playroom. Yeah. <laughs> I let it be. 
<laughs> I I said that's your room. I don't even want to see it. I shut the door. <laughs> <laughs> we might eventually get to that point. Cleaning up the playrooms, it, it sometimes happens. Often, yeah, sometimes. When the floor needs to clean occasionally, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need to vacuum. Yeah, Ugh. kids are messy. Yeah. Um, and you said that now because of the pandemic, you feel like the kids have a much better understanding of, of your job and what you do. How has that been talking with them throughout this whole year? I don't know how it happened, but now they, maybe their age, because now they're almost six and almost, well, she'll be eight tomorrow. He'll be six in a week. So maybe it's their, it's their age. Now they understand that we go to the hospital and we take care of patients and we come home. And and when they see me like on the phone, they say, because now they're used to telehealth too, something yeah. new for them. And they're like, oh, mommy's working. She's on the phone. Which phone she has is a work phone because now <laughs> they know their two phones. It's just, they know too much. That's fascinating. And how has it been talking with them about the pandemic? Have they been frightened? Have you needed to talk to them about social distancing or wearing masks and that kind they of thing? They are better than grown ups. My kids come from school, they have the mask on and they forget that they have the mask on. Because they, just they really have don't it. remove it until I'm like, okay, you're home. You can take it off now. We have so that. That's I, good. I, 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 young. Ours are obviously younger. We have a four-year-old and two-year-old, but they're very much the same. We come in and they sort of like take their shoes off, take the jackets off, and they're still wandering around with their masks on, just as if it's such a normal thing. It's yeah, really interesting. The They'll kids, actually you know. get concerned when if we're in public and they see somebody who isn't wearing a mask. Yeah, like, what's that person doing? Like, because they don't remember life pre-pandemic, so they're just like so uncomfortable if they see a <laughs> human being who's not in their family yeah. without a mask on. Yeah, they are like, stay away, stay away, Corona. And I just have to say, there's coronavirus there, and they won't even go. I just yeah. used to, like, sometimes <laughs> when I want them to stay still, like, don't go there, there's coronavirus, and they stay still. Like, That's oh, no. It's, it's like the new version of the, was it like the uh, Boogie Monster or something like that? <laughs> there's coronavirus, so stay yeah. here with mommy. <laughs> and in the... um spring when the when the pandemic first hit and they had to go to the emergency child care how was it talking with them then were they frightened about you continuing to work or did they understand having to leave school and go to this new center how were all of those conversations I just told them this is a new school that we have right now because your old school is shut down because of COVID. So this is where you have to go now. So they kind of like understood that. Yeah. They are very easy to mold to the (laughs) situations. That's fabulous. Just very adaptable. Yes. You can, they, they will mold into the situation. I'm like, this is the new school. The old school is closed. This is where you're going now. Take your iPad, you have Zoom at 10. <laughs> That's wow. amazing. That's great. Congratulations, yeah. you are an awesome parent then. <laughs> I think it's their age. You know, everything yeah. is about what age they are when it, this happens. Do you have, since you have such amazingly adaptive children, but you still have a rather very, very full and sometimes hectic life, 
do you feel like parenting and being a mom has affected your goals for yourself as a doctor and your kind of career trajectory in medicine? Oh, definitely. Um, Yeah, my expectation is that I want to do a good job. I want to be the best doctor I can for this patient. But there are other parts of medicine, like research medicine, that I could, I may have had an interest 10 years ago. It's not there. Or, yeah, other aspects of medicine are not into. I want to read. I want to be up to date. I want to do a good job the best job I can but yes I like I will never be like a program director that 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 will never happen none of those things remotely nobody wants me but anyway I wouldn't be interested (laughs) either so it's that sort of situation and do you feel like that changed like before you had kids you were thinking about maybe going down an academic route or well you have different interests but they quickly disappear when you're so busy Right. That's totally fair. Um, and do you think that when you were younger, before you were a doctor, did you ever think about being a mom and what kind of mom you would want to be? And did that change after you became a doctor and actually had kids? I I was never like, I want to be a mom. I don't know. One day I woke up and it was just all I could think about and never thought about that before. It was so weird. Tell me about it. I don't know. I never was like, oh, I want to be a mom when I'm never had that. But then one day I just wanted to be a mother. That's just one day, just you wake up and that's all you want to be. That's you want to have that little baby next to you. I don't know. It and just that was after you had already been a doctor, gotten married, did yeah. everything. Yeah. And then you wake up. You're yeah. One day. I don't know. I'm ready. I said, I want this baby. When is this baby coming? (laughs) Yeah. And how did your husband react to that? He said, okay. Is that what you want? (laughs) That's fabulous. It sounds like your whole thing is very flexible. Okay. Okay. All right, guys. No, but go downstairs. Downstairs. Yes. Okay. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. It's been lovely talking with you. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Oh, my pleasure. And (laughs) and take care and stay safe. Bye. Thank you so much. Wonderful talking to you. Bye. Bye. And that is how you end an interview. (laughs) Thank you, Maria. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. And we were lucky. I'm sorry our listeners couldn't see the video of your beautiful children coming in to give you hugs and say hi to us at the end. They were so smiley. They're the sweetest. Yeah. It was so wonderful to hear from Maria because her kids are slightly older than ours. They're, of course, they're elementary school age. So it had a very different experience during the pandemic with childcare. All of a sudden, school's not in session and you have to just completely rearrange your schedule versus us. We we have children. We had to rearrange childcare plans. But at the end of the day, our kids weren't in school anyway. They were at home and they're still at home. 
<laughs> we we do let them out occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> They're allowed to go and run around in the grass. But one of the things she said right at the top of the episode is a really interesting thing to think about because you you go into being a parent knowing that you're going to have to try and balance being a parent and working if you're choosing to work. But she is completely right in that the third job you have is actually the admin of yeah admin of yes. doing childcare which is yes. crazy. I have so many spreadsheets especially for weeks when Alex is touring which obviously hasn't happened during covid but um back well and again in the future when Alex is away touring I have so many spreadsheets of my work schedule the primary childcare schedule and then all of the other bits and pieces of scheduled childcare. who is going to take the hours from seven till eight who is taking six till seven and it's yeah it's, it's an impressive spreadsheet it's got color coding it's and everything i like it i really like colors yeah it's really good everything is better if it's rainbows <laughs> <laughs> for so many reasons so many <laughs> we hope you enjoyed our wonderful interview with um with dr maria diaz if you liked it you can always rate or review us you can share our episodes with friends family co-workers residents attendings anybody else in your life oh, i was wondering how long you'd go with the list oh, i was just gonna like keep going <laughs> yes your fellows your med students wives <laughs> dogs babysitter anybody <laughs> absolutely anybody um you can also reach out to us if you have stories that you want to share or questions or comments or concerns or you just want to say hi we're always here to say hi you could do that via our social media platforms which are instagram facebook and twitter by going to at dr mama podcast and if you do those you will get alex because i do not use any of those i haven't figured out how mostly because i don't really have the interest sorry <laughs> I guess I shouldn't say that. That's but, one way um, to really win over listeners, isn't it? But Alex does. I am very excited to hear from all of you. I'm just less excited about the rest of the things that go on on social media. So, Which is um, fair. yeah. Yeah, but I'm super excited to hear from all of you. And you can email us, in which case you will hear from me or Alex, either one of Most us. Likely Both you. of us check those. Yeah. But more likely me. And that is Podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, so feel free to uh, share the podcast, as you said. And we've got um, last week we had that a specific episode as well on uh, parental leave, um, which is a wonderful standalone episode. Um, and do continue sharing that around as well. And so we keep that conversation going and then hopefully get people into this podcast, listening to these inspirational women that we got to get to speak to. Yes. All of these amazing women. We are so fortunate to have these conversations. So, yeah, we'll uh, see you same time next week. Uh, obviously released on Thursdays at 1am, which is a time <laughs> no one ever listens to it. But I'm in, I'll be intrigued to know if I can get those stats if someone is there at 1am waiting for it to come through. Well, maybe people in the UK. We do have listeners in the UK, as you can tell from Alex's accent. There are maybe at least parents, if nobody <laughs> else interested in the UK. And 1am, what's that for them? Seven? So maybe One, if two, they're three, like... Four, five, six Oh, yeah, yeah, just kidding. Yeah. Okay, maybe not in the UK. No. Anybody in China? 
No, I was thinking like more Russia. More, more likely, it's people working nights who have a quiet moment. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I've definitely done that with some podcasts that I listen to when I'm on nights and I like refresh, and all of a sudden I realize there's a new episode out because it's now like one in the morning on a Wednesday, and normally I like see it at eight a.m. or whatever. <laughs> anyway, you can tell we're in a rambly mood today, <laughs> so we'll let you go forth and onto the world, and we'll see you again next week, lovely people. All right, take care. Bye bye. Bye. The Dr. Mama podcast is presented by Alice Kaufman and produced, mixed, and edited by Alex Cumming, who also provided the original music. 